you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4, and uh, we'll get there here in just a second. Uh, but first off, if it's cold in here, let me say I'm sorry, this is on me. Uh, so some of our air conditionings didn't switch from cool to heat. Uh, so if uh, you're married, snuggle this morning. This is one of those snuggling messages. Uh, if not, uh, just sit there, grit it out, and uh, maybe next year, I don't know. So, uh, But here's... <laughs> Sorry, too cold, uh, but that's uh, that's where we are. So this morning, uh, we're going to go back to the book of Mark for the next three weeks, and uh, the goal is that when we get done with these three weeks, uh, we're going to start a sermon series for our whole entire church, uh, and I'm not going to reveal anything to you, but I want you to know that next year is the year that we want to see God move in this church. And so uh, those next sermons will be towards that to help you, motivate you, get you ready for things. And so these messages will kind of lead up to that. Uh, but this morning, I want you to ask the question, do you know somebody that just doesn't get it? Anybody? If you don't know that person, that person may be you. So that's part of uh, what we're dealing with. Uh, but have you ever seen somebody that just, they don't ever get it. They don't understand it. And so this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. A few people uh, that kind of, uh, let me give you a description of a few people that may not get it. Uh, the, these are the types of people that we deal with, right? People who drive 10 to 15 miles out of the way to save three cents on gas, right? I'm pretty sure you burned your three cents, by driving that far out of the way to get it. But uh, it's okay if that makes you feel better, whatever. Uh, the next one, people who take everything personal. Man, life is too fun to take everything personal, to wear our feelings on our sleeves. The opposite, people who don't take anything serious. Hey, grow up, right? It's time to take a few things seriously, take your responsibilities seriously. But here's the part that we can all agree on. People who don't know how to drive. If you're the person that uses the left lane and you think you're driving fast and the person behind you is flashing their lights telling you, you're not driving fast, move over, you don't get it. You're not helping. If you don't put on your blinker when you're turning... Right? <laughs> wow, we're like on fire today. <sighs> Stop in the middle of traffic to figure out where you're going. Um, I was driving home the other day, and I drive through two traffic circles. And listen, I know that they're difficult for out-of-towners, but this lady just stopped and just gave up. <laughs> I was like... Man, just keep driving until you figure it out at least, right? Uh, so, uh, but that's kind of what we deal with. Uh, I remember when I went off to college, there was a guy that I interacted with that he just didn't get it. And so on my first day at Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, I, I had just driven 14 hours. And I had gotten there and I was wearing shorts. And to tell you how old I am, at Bible College back in those days, you weren't allowed to wear shorts. You had to wear pants. And so I know some of you are like, Jeff, I didn't know you were that old. I knew you were bald, but I didn't know you were that old, right? So when you think about this, I was getting out of the car and we were moving my stuff up to fourth floor Smith. And a guy walks up to me and he says, hey, are you a new student? I said, I am. 
I said, man, I'm glad to be here. I've been driving a long way. He said, hey, are you aware that you're not supposed to wear shorts? And I said, I am. But I thought that would be applied on the first day of school. He said, no. He said, it applies when you get on campus. I said, okay, well, I'm sorry. He said, uh, I'm going to have to give you demerits. What, are your, what is your name? Now, listen, my brain's always worked a little bit quicker than what my mouth has. And I said, oh, you don't know my name? I said, well, when you figure out my name, you can give me those demerits that you want to give me. And I walked away. Now, I've grown since then. <laughs> but the re- this is all, just so you think that Bible college is perfect, it's not, right? Uh, so it, it's interesting, but I, I remember thinking as I was walking away going, that guy didn't get it. Rules without relationship never are successful, right? So we kind of look at this, and I, I just remember thinking, man, where am I at? This guy doesn't get it. And so the reality is that we all know different types of people that don't get it. But I want to ask you this morning, do you get it? Are you one of those people that genuinely get it? It's easy to judge others and to say, well, they don't get it, they don't get it, they don't get it, but yet we gracefully have it. The reality is that most of us as Christians, and I'm concerned that as we share the parable that we're getting ready to share, may not be getting it. And so I want you to think with me, and I love the the understanding if you've watched the movie Rush Hour, okay, very godly spiritual movie. Uh, This is one of my wife and I's favorite uh, movies to go back and watch, and I love that when he interacts with a guy that he doesn't speak English, he gets louder to try to explain English, and then eventually he says these words, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Right, So that's what is being shared with you this morning is a parable where Jesus is asking these exact same words. And so a parable of the sower or a parable of the soils is what we're going to talk about this morning. Here's the definition. A parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. The definition also applies that this story helps us to discover what genuine reality is. And so I want you to think with me this morning as we look at this parable, do you get the words that Jesus is getting ready to say? In this setting, Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee. And I love the the understanding, if you've ever been to the Sea of Galilee, it's like most where it almost kind of raises up around. And so you can create like this stadium seating. And so Jesus being crowded and being put in this box of just people really close, gets on the boat and pushes back just a little bit so that everybody can see and everybody could hear what he's going to say. And I imagine the people that were in that setting may not have gotten it. To understand where they're at and understand what they're going through, these people can, were trying to figure out, is Jesus really the Messiah? Is he really the Christ? Is he really the promised one? We've read Isaiah chapter 9 and Isaiah chapter 53. Is he really the Christ? Because he wasn't what they expected. They just weren't really getting it. So here's some of the things that they had said about Jesus up to this point. His family said, he's crazy, he's out of his mind, leave us alone, let us eat our meal. The scribes said that he was possessed by Beelzebub, the devil. 
Jesus' patience had to be wearing thin because people weren't getting it. Jesus continually ate with sinners and probably double-dipped in the hummus. Right? Constantly frustrating the people that are around him. Yet people still gathered. So when you think about the crowd that was actually interacting with Jesus at this occasion, there were skeptics. There were tons of people that were in this crowd that weren't going to get it. So Jesus, as he pushes back on the boat, he begins to teach this parable. And we pick it up in Mark chapter 4. And Brian did a beautiful job reading the whole passage of scripture. So let me key in on a few things that are really important for us to get it. I love the first words that he says. He says, listen. Now, I don't know about you, but in raising kids, I've learned that if I want them to really get the words that I'm getting ready to say, the first thing I have to do is make eye contact and say, listen. Right? Understand. Because what dad is getting ready to say is really important, and I don't want to miss it. I don't want to not get this. So Jesus keys in and he says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Now understand before tractors and combines and all of the technology that we have, the way that fields would be planted is they would take handfuls of seeds and begin to cast them out and begin to to sow them. He said, and as he sowed, some some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured it. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up. But since it had no depth of soil, it was scorched. And he said, and when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, to tie in the listen to this, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, I want you to raise your hand if you have ears this morning. Good. Good. So this is us, and he's telling us, I want you to understand this parable. I want you to listen to these words. I want you to hear and make sure that you know what I'm getting ready to tell you. I want you to understand, if Jesus was that imperative about this parable, it's something that we need to listen to. The explanation, how we perceive God determines how we receive him. If he's just a background voice to us, if he's not the voice that we constantly listen to, it's easy to be deceived. For those that thought the Messiah would affirm them and not correct them, it was tough for them to understand that this was Jesus. Listen, there's people that are in this similar situation that you have expectations of who God should be and what he should do based on your life, and it's tough to come to grips that he is not doing those things. Here's the reality. Some will receive him and others will reject him. The reasons may be different, but it's just the simple truth of the matter. So I hope that this morning you're one of those people that's going to get it. 
That when this is shared with you, you walk out of this place going, I got it. I figured it out. I'm now going to put it to practice. I love the quote that Kyle Snodgrass gives. And I shared this in a message that I did on the parables in this last year in the book of Matthew where I actually preached on this parable. But I love his quote because it gives a lot of clarity to how we live. He says, the explanation of those outside, those that are outsiders, does not refer to the crowds in general or some predetermined group, but to people like Jesus' family and the religious leaders who are not ready to have and do the will of the Father. It is the stance of willingness to hear and obey that determines whether one is on the outside or on the inside. So I want you to understand this morning, if you're here, the opportunity to be a part of the family of God, to be an insider, to be somebody that's fully living for Christ is here. That should bring us great hope. So listen to how Jesus explains the parable. Mark chapter 4 and verse 14 and 15, he talks about the seeds on the path. He says, the sower sows the word. Now understand, this is God. This is him who sows the word that gives us the gleanings, that gives us the seed. And he said, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Imagine these are the gleanings that don't really make it to the fertile ground that's just on the outside. But here's what I want you to understand. As soon as God begins to work, Satan comes in quickly afterwards to try to destroy it. Listen, this is the reality. Sometimes we think that he's not at work and he's not doing things. But listen, this is why the responsibility of the church is even greater. That when we see those that are coming to Christ, that are beginning to know who Christ is, we come alongside of them and help them. Jesus clarifies that the devil is working to make them ineffective and tear them away from Christ immediately. This is one of the greatest misconceptions that the church has bought into and the church has begun to believe is this. I can accept Christ and then do nothing else with my life. Listen, listen to the rest of the parable. The next ground is the rocky ground in Mark chapter 4 and verse 16 and 17. He says, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Now listen, this is an exciting thing. People are seeing and understanding and receiving the word of Christ. Listen to what happens. And they have no root in themselves. But endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Listen, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this over the past 20 years of pastoral ministry. And somebody begins to step in and there's great joy and there's excitement and there's grace and mercy that's towards them. But listen, the importance of the church is this. Once you've accepted Christ, you need to be an active part of the church. The importance of us being a part of a community group is vital. This is where spiritual growth takes place. The importance of reading the Bible and spending time in prayer are so that you don't get destroyed by this. 
So I ask you this morning, are you in the rocky ground? The next is the thorny ground. Mark chapter 4 and verse 18 and 19, it says, And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word. Listen to what he says. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Listen. This describes a lot of Christians currently. We're striving to live for Christ. We're striving to do the things that God has called us to. But there's this continual pull, this continual enticement. I can make money. I can do this. I can live this. And we constantly try to flirt with the line of living for Christ and living for the world. The reality is the two collide every time and we have to choose to live for Christ. I love the term that he uses. It proves unfruitful. If I had to give a summation of why most churches are not fruitful, it's because of this very thing. We're planted in thorny ground, continually trying to live both worlds. Listen, it's exhausting. Listen, when our hobbies get more important than church, when our desires get more important than being a part of the family of God, when our desires get more important than spending time with Christ, you are at risk. And the last one, My favorite, Mark chapter 4, verse 20, this good soil. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it, and listen to what he says, and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. These individuals that are bearing fruit are those that read Scripture regularly, that spend time in prayer continually and are produce and are continually looking for opportunities to grow in their faith. Now, one of the things that I enjoy to do as a hobby is I actually enjoy gardening. And there's something just peaceful about planting a seed and watering it and it beginning to grow. Listen, this is fascinating to me. I grew up in the Midwest where corn and soybean farms, and so maybe there's a little bit of that left inside of me. But it's crazy. Do you know what my favorite part of the garden is? It's not the prep work. It's not planting the seeds. It's not weeding. It's when it produces. Dude, a fresh ear of sweet corn right off of the stalk. Man, I can see some of you don't get it. Looking up under a leaf and seeing a zucchini that long, going, where did you come from? Seeing the squash ring out and produce. Look, that's my favorite part. I think sometimes we get misguided a lot of times because we think that it's just an honor and a blessing to God if we just give our bodily presence. 
The reality is he's asking for much more. So I ask you this morning, do you get it? Do you get it? Listen, here's the recap. The first three soils heard the word but failed to produce any fruit. I want you to be real in your heart and in your life this morning. Are you producing fruit? This is a, a careful evaluation because you go, Pastor, like we're, we're getting ready to go into the new year. And listen, God sometimes times messages way better than Jeff Hubbard. And so I love that this message is kind of the, the preemptive strike of any New Year's goal is to make sure that it aligns with Scripture. And so one of our goals for this next year is that we should have goals to produce fruit. The reality is this. All three of the soils were destroyed destroyed by different destroyers. But I got to be honest, those are things that I don't want to experience. If you tell me, hey, Jeff, when you grow up, you're going to die because somebody's going to choke you out, I'm not really excited. Hey, you're going to get scorched and burned to death. Sweet. Listen, I want to avoid all of those areas of destruction and I want to be somebody that produces for God. So I ask you this morning, do you get it? Or do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Do you understand what God is telling you this morning? If you get it, then you are the good soil. It's not complicated. It's actually pretty simple. It's hard to fulfill, but it's actually really simple. But if you don't get it, maybe it's because you haven't gotten it yet. If you fall in that category this morning, I hope that you understand what's being shared with you. If you don't get it, maybe it's because you haven't really thought about it yet. Maybe you've kind of lowered the expectation and said, hey, I'm continually meeting what my expectations are, and they're really low. I would tell you that God's desire for you is great and vast. If you don't get it, Maybe you haven't had somebody truly explain it to you. And the good part is this morning, you have that. Here's what the people that I'm really concerned with. For some, it's because you're ignoring it. You know what to do. You know how to do it. You know what you should be doing, but you won't. The parable describes very simply how you will be destroyed. I love the quote by D.A. Carson that says these words. People do not drift towards holiness. Look, it would be interesting and it would be great if God designed us that we would constantly drift and constantly pull towards holiness. The reality is constantly we are drifting away from it. And he says, apart from grace-driven effort, get that effort, work, To not gravitate towards godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, 
and delight in the Lord, we drift towards compromise and call it tolerance. We drift towards disobedience and call it freedom. We drift towards superstition and call it faith. And we cherish the indiscipline of the lost, self-control and call it relaxation. We slouch towards prayerlessness and delude ourselves into thinking that we have escaped legalism. We slide towards godlessness and convince ourselves we have been liberated. Let me change gears just a minute. If you're here and you may not have gotten it yet, if you're here and you're wanting to get it, you genuinely want to grow in this, Let me share with you some opportunities and how to start producing. It's interesting to me because as much as I've enjoyed gardening, uh, Mr. Bird taught me more about gardening than I ever knew before. I love the conversations of me not being able to produce something and him saying, hey, do this, and then it would work. So this morning, you may have been cultivating bad ground. You may not be producing. You may not be getting the results that you genuinely want and desire. But here's a few passages of scripture that I hope you'll memorize. I hope you'll write down and read every day of next year so that you'll begin to start producing. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 says this. But as for you, O man of God, Flee these things. And he gives an exhaustive list up in front of this. He said, flee the things of the world. Flee sin. Flee the things that are out there. And he says this, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Listen to what he says. Fight the good fight of the faith. This is a battle every day. For us to continually live for Christ. Paul talks about it as he dies daily. And he says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who earlier in this sermon we talked about called him crazy, didn't believe in his brother being the Christ, until he was resurrected, he writes these words, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. If you want to get it, stop listening and start doing. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Then the third passage of scripture, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 11 says this. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Anybody tired 
Look, you want a, a, a well-oiled machine? Supplement your faith with virtue, your virtue with knowledge. Listen, this is a step program. For if these qualities are yours are, are, and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know why you're having a problem being fruitful? There it is. He says in verse 10, therefore, brothers, listen. He says, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. You will never be destroyed. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I ask you this morning, do you get it? Listen, if your starting point was in the thorny ground or in the rocky ground or on the outside, you don't have to stay there. You can place your seed where you want it to be. You can put it in good soil. I ask you, are you ready to be planted and begin to produce? Look, as we prepare for 2024, as you look around, even on a day like today, our auditorium is continually filling up. And man, praise the Lord for what he's doing. Listen, after the first of the year, we're going to ask some of our second service people to begin to attend the first service so that we can continue to make more room. Man, listen, I got to be honest. Those are the problems that I want to have in a church. But it takes us being planted in good soil. It takes us beginning to produce. So let me close with this. It's time to stop being the Christian who doesn't get it. It's time to be the follower of Christ who truly gets it. It starts producing much fruit. So this comes with a plea. This comes with a, a, a genuine conversation, a genuine ask to yourself to say, what ground am I placing myself in? Am I placing myself in good, solid, fertile ground? Or am I continually placing myself in thorny ground? I continually placing myself in rocky soil? Am I not even making it to the field? Because if you're in anything other than good soil, that's the reason that you're not producing much fruit. Everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes just for a second. The worship team is going to come forward and sing a song of invitation. And listen, I am so thankful that you are here today. I am so thankful that you listened to the words of Scripture this morning. And I'm so thankful that on a Sunday where it would probably be the most natural Sunday to take off, you chose to come and worship the Lord and fellowship with your church. But I beg you, 
I plead with you to take another step. To plant yourself in the good soil. That is your preparing your goals and your list of things that you want to achieve in 2024, that you in 2024 say, I want to produce fruit this year. I want to see somebody around me come to know Christ. I want to be a part of somebody growing in their faith this year. Listen, if you're not to that point, maybe your standard is that you just put yourself in some good soil, that you're involved in a community group, and you say, I want to grow spiritually this year. And I don't want to be wavering. I don't want to be destroyed this year. I want to be deeply founded in my relationship with Christ so that he can use me. I ask you this morning. Get it. Please, get it. Dear Father, I come to you humbled this morning. Lord, knowing that even in my own heart, in my own life, Lord, sometimes I get drawn from that thorny ground. But I pray that for me personally, that you would deeply root me in your word this year. Father, that I wouldn't waver, that I would hold fast to you, that I would resist temptation and fully live for you in every area of my life. Lord, not only for me, but for all those that heard your words this morning. And they get tired of being on the outside. May it grow old of being in thorny ground and rocky ground and never seeing the results that you can produce. Lord, may we as a church plant ourselves in the good, rich soil of you. Father, ultimately, that we would begin to produce much fruit for you. Father, I love you and I praise you this morning. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. If you would stand, we're going to sing a song of invitation. Whatever ground that you're in this morning, if it's not the good soil, I would ask you to spend some time in prayer over this next song. Say, God, move me into the good soil. Listen, this altar is open to you that if you want to come forward and bow a knee and just say, God, I'm yours. I'm ready to produce. I'm ready to do the things that you've called me to do. That's what this altar is for this morning. So as the worship team sings, consider what God wants you to do over this next year.